Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. My name is Maisie McCabe and I am the UK editor. Today, Arvin Hickman, the media editor of Campaign, is speaking to Nick Bourne, Meta's Director of Business Partners for UK and Ireland. Nick joined Facebook, as it was then known, in early 2019 after a stellar career in media agencies, latterly as a mere CEO at WPP's Essence. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the show, Nick. Well, thank you for having me. It's a great honour and a privilege to be here. It's nice to see you. And um, thank you, anyone who's listening. Yeah, fantastic. Just to give our listeners a bit of context, the last time um, I caught up with Nick, I believe that was on Meta Beach at Cannes, wasn't it? I think it was, yes. Rarefied surroundings. <laughs> and, and since then, um, you know, I, I believe you've had a, a, is it a job promotion or you've changed roles a little bit? Well, nothing like that. It's, it's more a case of the types of partner that we cover. So we work very closely with the agency community, but we also work across different types of partners. So uh, whether that's VCs or private equity or consultants or trade bodies, uh, the, the team that I'm a part of uh, work across a, a big range of, of, of types of partner. Now, just to provide a bit, a bit more context for our listeners, uh, Nick is a very well-known figure in the industry, former EMEA CEO of Essence and UK CEO of Maxis, uh, which merged with MEC to form Wavemaker. Uh, now, Nick, I, I, I don't know if you heard our last podcast where we discussed the cost of living crisis, but I thought that would be actually a good place for us to start this week, um, only because it's having a massive impact, not just across the economy, but also across advertising. You know, we're starting to see budgets being tightened. Um, the forecasts are starting to be revised down. And you know, at Meta, we've even seen um, uh, tighter digital advertising budgets impact results. I, I believe in your Q2 results, it's the first time in the history of Meta and, and, and Facebook that yeah, you reported a quarterly revenue decline, uh, which in itself is quite remarkable. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, if, if we look at this from a sort of UK and Ireland lens, uh, what are some of the things that you're hearing clients say to you domestically? Um, and how is Facebook working with them during what is a difficult period? Yeah. So my role is is predominantly focused on working with larger agency groups, larger advertisers, partners. Uh, and 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 absolutely, let, let's talk about how they're thinking about the cost of living crisis. But it's also probably worth dwelling for a moment in terms of how individuals are experiencing this. So people in our communities, small businesses. And I think, you know, for many of those people, this is potentially an existential challenge. There's a lot of people wondering how they're going to get through the through the next 12 months. And actually, this is this is a when we find ourselves in adverse societal conditions like this, this is often where our services are their most valuable. So we saw this during COVID when a lot of people organized communities uh, around particularly Facebook groups and WhatsApp when they couldn't be together. And we're seeing this now. So if you look at Facebook groups now, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of local UK cost of living crisis groups springing up. Some of them have thousands of members. And there's people just sharing tips and how to budget and economize on the groups, which is, you know, which is something that obviously we're very proud to facilitate. For small businesses where there are no caps on on utility bills, again, this is this could be existential. And the best thing that we can do there is effectively be the most effective shop window that we can be. So, you know, helping with e-commerce presence through a shop's product. But likewise, if they advertise, just being the best pound that they spend. And that that probably is what links the bigger business 
conversations that that we have because of course you know we are having those conversations every day Arvind say you know how much are advertisers spending where are they spending it where's the best rate of return uh however in addition to those conversations we're also having conversations with advertisers around how they can help um you know how they can position themselves and 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 um be an ally to communities during uh, the cost of living crisis. And, you know, that normally comes with an authenticity issue. However, I think most brands have a role to play in saving people money. And we're seeing a lot of you know, creative campaigns uh, around exactly how advertisers can do this, which is great. On the on what w- the conversations we're having, it's broadly split into two. You know, the first is best practice. How do you get, how do you get every, eke out every spare iota of impact that we can get through a pound spent on our platforms? We sincerely believe we are, you know, the best place to spend a pound in terms of return for an advertiser. And that can be creative, that can be buying techniques, it can be automated practices, but any way to make sure that we are delivering the maximum impact for a pound spent. And then secondly is how we measure it. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, measurement is is something that's very live on, on most people's agendas at the moment, but really, really taking a, a very deep look in terms of the kind of measurement techniques that are being employed um, and, and, you know, maximizing the return and measuring it accurately. Those those are the conversations we're having. Okay. Well, we'll touch a little bit on measurement um, a little bit later on in the podcast. I just wanted to sort of pick you up in, in terms of uh, what you're noticing um, in terms of ad spend, in terms of numbers of advertisers. Have you noticed, I mean, I, I know the cost of living crisis is it's probably going to get worse before it gets better, but have you noticed um, a decline in the number of businesses wanting to advertise? Um, are they looking to cut costs in this area? Um, and, and also the amount that they're willing to spend? So- Every advertiser is scrutinizing budgets at the moment, you know, whether you're a, 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 a single person business, whether you're a small to medium business, whether you're an enterprise business. When you're facing into a downturn, people will do two things. They'll scrutinize every penny that's being spent to make sure they can maximize the return on it. And secondly, they'll want to bring some of that impact forward into the year where they're experiencing the most, you know, the toughest trading conditions. So in terms of numbers of advertisers, you know, our, our platform is, is obviously, you know, vast and caters to, to many, many millions of, uh, of businesses uh, around the world. So, you know, look at, looking at the kinds of volume of advertisers isn't, isn't something that would, would preoccupy us. We just want to make sure that when we're working with partners, they're getting the most out of our platforms. That is absolutely the best thing that we can do at the moment. And when you are working with those partners, you mentioned before trying to eke out as much return as possible on every pound spent. What are some of the things that you're advising them or some of the things that you're observing that brands are pivoting towards to get more value? Yeah. So there's, well, there's a number of overlapping uh, factors. So, So some of them are really just best practice hygiene. So that can be in terms of how many placements are you buying on the platform? You know, what creative are you using? You know, how uh, how far are you leaning into uh, a measurement agenda? Uh, for example, we have something called a learning phase. When you start a campaign live, the campaign uh, needs to optimize by going through a, a number of conversions and another outcomes before it starts to run at uh, its optimum rate. You know, you need to make sure that you're letting uh, our systems work through that uh, learning phase. Yeah, you know, it's these kinds of things which might seem 
quite small changes, um, quite hygiene-led changes, but can actually make all the difference to campaign performance. Okay. Uh, obviously, you, you work very closely with um, agencies and also, I imagine, some of the larger advertisers on Facebook. Uh, just mm. curious to hear some of their thoughts more specifically um, in, in terms of how they want to engage with Facebook as an advertising platform, um, given the current circumstances, and also how the relationship between Meta and its agency and large brand partners has evolved in recent times. Yeah, so look, I'll disclose an upfront bias for agencies. Uh, I loved working in agencies and I love working with agencies despite working with a lot of different types of partner uh, these days. So a, look, a good agency from our perspective is is both a prototyper and also also a police of sorts. So, you know, good agencies shouldn't necessarily be just uh, taking our best practice at red. They should be prodding at it. They should be testing. They should be experimenting. They should be working out obviously what works for individual advertisers. And where we have the best partnerships is when we're getting really deep into those kinds of learning journeys and, and really understanding um, what moves an advertiser's business forward together. I think in terms of um, creating, you know, prototyping, creating some competitive advantage on the platform, again, that's where we see agency product organizations really leaning in and trying to understand what it is and where they can add value on our platforms, you know, maybe how they can improve quality assurance, maybe how they can improve automation of reporting to save them time to focus on on areas that are more of a, a value add. But I think probably in the last year, the biggest two areas of focus, particularly in a post, uh, and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about some of the, the platform changes that Apple made, but particularly in a world post those changes, the two most important factors are uh, creative. You know, that, that is by far and away the biggest driver of variable campaign success. Uh, and we're seeing uh, a lot of established creative agencies lean in, but we're also seeing a lot of uh, what you would have described historically as media agencies, but are now looking at uh, as full service agencies who are who are working at a really collateralized basis uh, with paid social teams to make sure that the right creative is delivering the best return uh, for an individual ad. And that's that's really exciting uh, to see. And then secondly, again, and I'm going to keep on banging on about it, Arvind, is measurement. So the, the difference between an agency that is trying to understand the impact of every pound spent on the platform versus an agency that's happy just to push money through the system is night and day. And I think what we see is the best agencies are the ones who are doing really consistent uh, incrementality testing, really trying to understand what the difference is between spending a, a pound on a meta platform versus somewhere else. And that involves you know, quite a lot of dedication, effort and work. You have to set up individual lift tests. Um, look, if, you know, if you've got a marketing science team at your agency, uh, these are the people to put, put, put your arms around because they are so valuable right now while there is this kind of lack of consensus in the measurement, measurement uh, community. Mm. In terms of the, the sort of relationship with agency partners, uh, at creative and media, I, I know that there are slight differences there. Uh, how would you say the closeness of that has changed over time? Have you, have you found, for example, that it, it, your relationship with agency partners has become more closer, more collaborative, um, or hasn't shifted much? Uh, how would you sort of describe the evolution of that relationship 
because I know, I know, having covered this industry for a number of years, there are times where you know, agencies would, would privately say sometimes they felt sidelined um, by by platforms like Facebook, which you know a lot of advertisers don't need agencies for. Yeah. So, look, I think I think when back in the dim and distant past, I remember the 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 meme was that uh, Meta and, and probably Google were in some way trying to disenfranchise agencies or somehow wanted to to get into the agency game, which really couldn't be any further from the truth. If you if if you take if you take out even you know the right intent to partner, agencies are a brilliant way for any business to be able to have um, you know to be able to condense the number of conversations that you're having. Because if you're working with an agency across a whole portfolio of advertisers, you can make those big shifts in best practice. You can make those big shifts in automation, which benefit kind of all parties involved. However, I think over the last two or three years, where we've really tried to uh, develop our partnerships with agencies has been this area which we, we would call reciprocal advantage. So trying to make sure that agencies are really benefiting from deeper expertise on our platforms. And that, that can kind of manifest in a, in a bunch of ways. You know, so we, we offer a lot of training programs for agencies and certification programs so that their clients you know, know their depth of expertise on our platforms. Likewise, with some agencies, we partner in developing technology that can give them clear competitive advantage on platforms. And that's really, really important because, you know, an agency exists to deliver competitive advantage. And we want to work with, you know, our largest partners and our agency partners so that they are able to deliver better results on our platform so that they are able to, uh, that their own businesses can thrive and that we we grow together. Do we always get it right, Arvin? Probably not. No. Um, but I think that that, uh, that ambition of mutual benefit, reciprocal advantage is a really important one for us. Mm. You mentioned before the importance of measurement, uh, which I, I guess at, at time, you know, times when things are lean, budgets are being scrutinized more, becomes even more important. Uh, how is sort of meta in enhancing measurement when we look at the broader context of, of what's going on in the industry? So, for example, you've got you know Project Origin, which is a, attempting to create a cross-media measurement solution. Um, but, but at the same time, you've also got agencies that kind of do that work um, in their own way, that they'll, they'll they'll take different uh, measurement metrics and, and try and compare them and collaborate them. Uh, but there seems to be almost a little bit of a tension there. I'm just wondering um, how Meta's sort of working with the industry to try and come up with these different cross media solutions, um, but also working with agencies to make sure that what they do and, and then the value that they provide um, isn't being undermined. Yeah, so I genuinely don't think there's anything more important that I can talk about today uh, than this because it is is such a burning platform, um, and I don't think it necessarily gets all the attention uh, that perhaps it ought to in in industry. So I'll take a step back, if that's okay, and I'll, I'll draw the line between cross digital channel measurement mm-hmm. and then cross media measurement. Sure. Or origin, etc. We'll come back to that in a second. So on the digital side of things, I think for an awfully long time, there was a reasonably cozy, arguably quite flawed consensus around digital attribution based on cookies. Now, that's that's broken and it's not coming back. And you know, that, that's that's no news to anyone, I'm sure, who's listening to, to this podcast. However, what is interesting is the consensual element of it. Now, I am 
an eternal optimist, and I believe that we will get to a new industry consensus. And that might look like a you know cross industry sandbox. It, you know, it would take the the buy in of of so many different players within the industry, from from platform to device to browser. Uh, and there's a huge amount of work going on in fora like the W3C, the World Wide Web Consortium, where they're trying to turn that ambition into a reality. However, that's not going to be a this week solution. So what what or or, or this year solution? So what, what we're left in at the moment is this, this slightly messy period between what I hope to be two periods of rough consensus that allow advertisers and agencies to compare apples with apples. And so you've, you've got this situation on digital channel measurement, on relative digital channel measurement, whereas there is this huge opportunity um, for, for particularly agencies, I think, but for internal marketing science teams for data analytics teams to work out what is best for every single individual advertiser. And there is no one size fits all. We generally see that there's probably an alchemy within three different types of measurement. So those, those three are um, firstly, what is left of your attribution post um, post uh, the Apple changes and the, and the impending Google changes. Um, Secondly is uh, MMM, so market mix modeling or econometrics. Historically, that was a very regressive multi-channel way of, of measuring channel uh, ROI. However, there are far more uh, uh, faster, reactive, more accurate gauges on, on MMM these days. And then lastly, and possibly more importantly, uh, learning agendas, experiment, uh, experiments and incrementality tests. So that's, that's using systems like holdouts and multi-cell analysis to really understand, really understand what the impact of a pound spent on meta is versus a pound spent somewhere else. Uh, now, the reality is that the answer lies somewhere in those, in those three, and you use different methodologies to calibrate different results. However, getting that right, particularly now in this period, hopefully between these you know these these consensus uh, methodologies is critical, and we spend a, a large amount of time with advertisers and the agencies talking about you know how to get this right for them because there is no one size fits all. Mm. In terms of attribution, how will you get that right? It sounds like such radical changes. What what are some of the things that that the industry um, are, are sort of looking at or exploring? Uh, to almost redefine uh, or rework how attribution yeah. previously exists. So uh, I'd probably go back to the W3C again on that. So for the, those people who, who aren't uh, as familiar with the W3C, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a non-governmental organization that works to bring together um, players in the industry to solve industrial challenges. You know, uh, by no means is it, is it germane specifically to, to advertising. Um, now, the work going on in there you know, has representatives from, from lots of different companies and organizations and trade bodies. And, and the aim of some of these working groups in W3C is to get to, you know, get to a degree of consensus. This is, of course, in lieu of a, you know, a global technology regulator that can't exist. So um, you know, some of the work that's going on at the moment, uh, which is, which is you know, su- at suggestion kind of uh, uh, due diligence phase only, is looking at... Um, industry sandboxes, as I say. So mm-hmm. what you might call uh, interoperable attribution, where all players feel comfortable having um, 
uh, anonymized data that can be attributed to advertising outcomes. Now, that that might sound simple. Actually, I'm not sure it does sound simple, but <laughs> but it, it's uh, it's of course unbelievably complex. Yeah. What I what I do know is that the only way we get to this is through collaboration through all of the entities involved. So that's advertisers, that's uh, platforms, that's browsers, that's um, you know device owners, because so much of this future can only be realized if uh, people are prepared to work together. And, and some companies are very good at that, and some companies are perhaps slightly less good at that. Mm. It sounds like a really tough nut to crack, especially when very. you think about how difficult it must be in certain analog um, mediums, uh, you know, to, to, to sort of look at attribution and, and, and yes. contribution to attribution versus things that are slightly easier to measure like digital. So, so absolutely. So going back to point two, which is cross-media measurement and, and the likes of Origin. So again, you know, Origin is a, is a hugely ambitious, hugely innovative um, project being, being driven out of, of ISBAR and then also the, the, the WFA work as well. And it, it's important, I think, for businesses like ours to be part of those conversations, to be part of industry, to be part of industrial solutions. And I think if, if um, you know, if Origin does, does realize its promise, which I have you know, every faith in and it becomes a, you know, a currency, then that's incredibly valuable for, for every member of, of, of the advertising ecosystem. Um, and we work, you know, we want to, to be you know, part of the group that, that helps realize that ambition. I'm also uh, particularly excited that, that uh, uh, my first manager in WPP, Tom George, is coming on to, to be CEO later this year. Uh, and I know Tom will have a, a, a terrific impact on, on, uh, on the project as well. So I think hmm. Origin has real potential. Yeah, I mean, it, it all sounds great in, in theory, doesn't it? Uh, but in practice, it, it, it sounds like quite a difficult thing to do. And if you look at the different sort of players involved, um, and, and there are numbers of different players involved, a number of different agendas that need to be brought together. Uh, for example, you know, you've got the TV folks who, who probably haven't been as cooperative because they, they v- might view cross-media measurement um, as somewhat devaluing um, what, what, what their media provides. Um, how are you going to convince the likes of the TV industry to get involved? Uh, you can't really have a cross-media measurement tool which doesn't have their cooperation. Uh, so I think I would, I would probably say to that that anything worth doing is difficult. Uh, and secondly, it's absolutely not our role to convince anyone of anything. Um, mm. you know, we, we want to lean into to origin. We believe in being part of the industry discourse. Um, I think Isbar are doing a, a great job in, in moving the agenda forward. And I think in terms of, you know, how involved are other parties, I think that's that's more a question for them than it is for us. Sure. It, it is a question I have to ask about all the time. I know, I, I know, I know I'm, of course. I'm just more curious, though, because if you don't have, for example, television um, as one example, one relatively important part of the advertising pie, uh, how do you really have a tool that does what it says in the tin? Again, I think uh, uh, an answer for 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 the broadcasters and and those that are uh, are running Origin, uh, it, you know, we can only look after our own knitting here, which is to say that we you know we want to be part of of this. We think that cross media measurement is is an incredibly worthwhile ambition, um, and that yeah, I think Isbar have done a super job in in driving the agenda forward to to date. As I say, no, nothing, nothing, nothing comes easily um, that that's really worthwhile. 
Well, uh, I guess we shall have to wait and see on that one. I want, I want to move the conversation on a little bit, Nick, in, in sure. terms of regulation and privacy laws. Uh, yeah. There's been a lot going on now in recent years. We've got the new online safety bill, um, which is sort of making its way through Parliament at the moment. Um, you've got different sort of regulatory regimes um, in Europe um, and elsewhere uh, looking to sort of tighten how um, platforms uh, use data and 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 respect user privacy. I'm just curious, um, and also you've got you know as you mentioned before, um, Apple's privacy rules coming into play as well, and and the impact that's having. I'm just curious how these things are sort of impacting uh, Meta and and what you're doing to sort of overcome some of these challenges. Yes, that's an expansive question, Arvin. Uh, I know, I know, it's expansive. Give it your best shot. <laughs> covering a lot of ground, I'll give it my best shot. So, what I'm going to do is I'll probably separate out the governmental regulation point and the and the Apple point, although the the two are linked. In in that um, we we've long been on the record as being very supportive of smart government regulation, particularly as it pertains to content regulation, and we'll, we'll unpack some of that in a second. Um, the Apple changes are different, though, but they are regulation of a sort in, in, in a degree that it's a kind of corporate regulation. Um, and it's it's whether you agree with Apple's position or not, the fact that um, these kinds of changes can be made, which have such far sweeping influence, not on businesses like ours. You know, of course, there's an influence there, but actually the real influence is felt on on smaller businesses and their ability to reach uh, reach customers with personalized advertising. I think you know there are challenges to to that kind of uh, sweeping uh, corporate regulation. On the government side, so we'll come back to them. On the government side, uh, the often I think regulation gets conflated. So people hear the word regulation. Uh, however, of course, it's no one thing. There's there's lots of different types of regulation. I think probably for the purposes of this conversation, it's worth focusing on. Content regulation, so what you know, the content that's on our platform, and then ads regulation, i.e., what regulates the advertising on our platform. And I think on the content side, as, as you mentioned, you've got the uh, online safety bill as the kind of marquee piece of UK legislation here. Now, in terms of, of, of what impact will it have, we don't know yet, just because it hasn't been finalized, it's still working its way through the system. Um, you know, we, we work very closely with DCMS in consultation with Ofcom, who are the, the provisional regulator. Um, and we think this is, you know, uh, uh, as, uh, as a piece of legislation in theory, absolutely what, what we should be doing. You know, we want to work with democratically elected government. We shouldn't be making up all the rules ourselves. Uh, and the, this can provide for, for UK-wide industrial solutions. I think our only ask, our only watch out is that as the bill increases in scope, that it is still practicable in execution and the kind of processes that surround it don't become too unworkable. Bearing in mind that as a large business, we have a lot of resources. However, there are other businesses that may have fewer resources. Uh, and therefore, I think it, it, everything needs to be practicable. But, but we are you know, firm, firm believers in, in, in smart government regulation. On the ad side, uh, the, the, I guess the marquee piece there is the OAP, the online advertising program, which is also coming out of, of DCMS. And again, it's mm -hmm. too early to say what, what the outputs and what the impact of that will be. I think the only thing we, we would echo here is, is actually what I thought was a fantastic article 
written by Stephen Woodford. Uh, I'm not sure if it was it, it was this week or last week on on campaign from Stephen from from the AA. Um, really, just affirming support for the self-regulatory regime under the ASA at the moment, and I think, um, you know, like like much of the rest of the industry, um, we would be we would be equally supportive of that. But I should make the point that we're not sitting on our hands waiting for regulation. You know, that 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 would not be the the right route forward for us. You know, over the last ten years, we've invested something like thirteen billion dollars in safety and integrity. We have 40,000 people working in this area. We have the most granular standards reporting, I think, of any any platform out there. And you know, more importantly, we've also just had our, our standards reporting audited by by ENY. So our partners have have the kind of right right faith on that. So it is fast moving, it's changing locally, regionally, globally, the regulatory landscape. Um, but but we want to work with government. We want to work with regulators. And um, if you'll have me back in a year's time, then I'll, uh, we can talk about what, what the ultimate impact of all this uh, legislation has been. Mm. I guess if we look at the headwinds, uh, regulatory headwinds, uh, for at least a number of years now, it, it is basically you know, tightening rules around how you use data. Uh, you know, Facebook is one of the great um, targeting advertising platforms in the world, uh, that's, that's what attracts a lot of advertisers to your platform. This is a this is a challenge for platforms like Facebook, uh, Google, and others that really sort of rely on that. What are you going to do to sort of you know still provide advertisers with that tar- you know, that targeting ability? Yeah. Um, when if you look at the, the the sort of way that it's traveling um, from not just the UK but the, the EU and elsewhere, it seems like that's going to be made much more complicated or difficult? So look, I would draw the distinction firstly in that that we believe very, very, very firmly in in the power of personalized advertising and the value exchange um, that that it brings in terms of access to products, in terms of the contribution to the economy and particularly the small business economy. And I think what sits in the heart of that belief is A, you know, we've seen the results in terms of what we contribute to to economy. Um, But also secondly, we don't see the tension with or an unresolvable tension with privacy you know you can have personalized ads without compromising people's privacy and that's you know that's that's really really important in terms of how you know that works over over time in in the regulatory framework you know in time of some of the apple changes well there's different horizons of of how we deal with it but i think underpinning them all is an expectation that um, we need to do we need to yield better results from our advertising um, products with with less consumer data, and I think that's um, you know that's common to the entire industry, not 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 just to Meta. So to to get a bit more specific uh, and in, into the detail of it, in the in the short term, and I'll deal particularly with the Apple elements here because that's what's really impacting advertisers and, and agencies at the moment. One of the immediate implications of the Apple changes was we were simply um, under-reporting conversions. When I say conversions, it means sort of outcome sales results, that sort of thing. Um, so we, we've done a lot of work to, to close that gap. Um, and we're, we're much closer to, to reporting um, the, the exact correct level of, uh, of conversion data now. We're also always making changes to our ads product. So again, back to the measurement agenda, our ask is persistently keep running tests, 
keep running experiments, keep understanding the relative efficacy of, 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 of the platform. I think then at the sort of short to medium term, we're also investing a lot into uh, products that exist uh, and fulfill much more on our own platforms. So a good example of that would be click-to-message ads, which is our fastest growing ads format, growing like an absolute weed, you know, extraordinary uh, growth. And you can understand why the ability for advertisers to be able to, for consumers to click through an ad and um, message directly with advertisers is incredibly appealing. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, case study work out there showing you know, the, the positive impact that has on, uh, on campaign, campaign performance. And there's other formats, you know, we look at over time to, to make sure that we're transacting more, more on site. Now, as you then go out uh, in, into, into a further horizon, this goes into one of our investment priorities, which is around uh, artificial intelligence, around AI. Now, we, we hear tech companies talk a lot about AI over the last 10 years. And so I think it is really worthwhile being specific in the use case. And, and for the purposes of this conversation, the biggest use cases are around discovery, both in terms of ads and content. So if you look at content, I think roughly 15% of content on Facebook and a bit more than that on Instagram is suggested content. So that's where we're saying, you know, take a look at this creator because we think you'll be interested in them. And that's set to increase. Now, the only way we can do that well is through AI, through a really good understanding of what's going to be interesting to people so we can surface new uh, experiences to them, so that we can surface new content to them. And the same goes on the ad side. You know, a lot of the ads algorithm is is driven by AI. And as we invest more in that AI and that AI becomes more um, efficient and effective, we're able to drive better and better results um, for, for, for advertisers. So that, that area of investment to us is, is enormous and a huge focus for our business going forward because it delivers both the right ads experience, the right ads results and the right content experience. Mm. It's an interesting point. Uh, I, I, I don't want to dwell on it for too long um, in the interest of time. It, mm. In terms of the the sort of user experience in, in AI, uh, I mean, there are, according to certain reports, there has been a bit of pushback on that on, on, on Instagram, isn't there, in terms of it, you know, people do like these platforms because they do like to see what their you know family and friends are, are saying and that sort of stuff. And if you sort of deprioritize that, that too much, um, then th- there is the risk that you might alienate uh, a proportion of, of your user base. Yeah, I think there are a couple of um, elements to that, uh, and and I think you're you're talking about um, some feedback we had, I think particularly around Instagram a few weeks ago, when um, I think we'd made a, a a few changes. Some of it was some some pilots on a on a more immersive content experience. Others was kind of more video in the feed and uh, and more kind of discoverable content and and look, the first thing i think we we would always say is we 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 love the fact that people who use our platforms care enough to to give us that kind of feedback because you know it demonstrates that they're pretty core to their lives i think on the new content bit that that's a challenge for us to 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 get better and better and that's why we're investing in ai to make sure that the suggested content that people are seeing is stuff that is really interested to them, and that's you know that discoverability element is a is a huge horizon for our business, and one one that that um, we're pouring a lot of effort and resources into. Also, I think on the video front, people are just sharing more video, and therefore you know that's that's consumer behavior driving this. If we look at the 
you know, the evolution of social media from, from text to photos, you know, video is, is the nearest horizon for us and people are sharing an awful lot more of it. Um, and people are viewing an awful lot more of it. If you look at our reels product again, you know, like to message, it's growing like a weed in Q1. When we reported our numbers, I think it was 20% of all content viewed on Instagram. You know, that's an enormous growth rate. And I think uh, Q2, we reported that it had grown 30% on, on Instagram and Meta or, uh, and, uh, and Facebook on, on that same quarter. So we're seeing this huge growth in video and video consumption and video sharing. And again, a lot of it's been just driven by serving the right content to the right person that they're going to find interesting and compelling. Mm. And just on that point, I also read um, recently that that, that that sort of video content reels, for example, is a little more difficult for you guys to commercialize than, than static. Yeah. So I think if you, if you look at like the headwinds on our business, um, you know, there's, there's that, that, that one is, is almost gloriously self-inflicted in that we could throttle, I guess, the growth of, of reels. Because our, our, our standard uh, operating model is that we develop products for our community first, and we want to see those products flourish and grow, and then we work out how to monetize those products. Now, we've been through this evolution a few times, you know, most latterly with stories, where the product takes off, and because it's unmonetized, it's effectively taking um, uh, eyes away from inventory that we have monetized in feed and you know and, and and so on and i guess that that's a that's a balance we're prepared to live with and and in many ways it's a great problem to have that that more and more people are spending more and more of their time with this kind of content you know we've we've got pretty good experience of then knowing how to to monetize it but i think we we'd always rather see you know the product grow and consumers use it rather than optimize to every penny in quarter, if you see what I mean. Sure. Uh, right, Nick, on a final note, uh, and, and probably the, the fun part of the conversation, if you like, <laughs> I, I did want to sort of touch, touch upon, you know, Facebook's future focus, and, and in particular, the metaverse. Uh, now, as you are aware, you know, you know, there's been an emergence of TikTok, um, which is which is becoming a, a fairly significant rival. Um, we mentioned, we talked before about some of the you know changes in rules around privacy and data, uh, softening advertising market. Um, I, I just wanted to ask you, firstly, what what is Facebook's focus for the future, um, and how it sort of plans to evolve as an organisation and the metaverse play that that Mark Zuckerberg spoke so passionately about um we, i'd like to I'd, I'd like to know where that's at uh, what the plans are and how that you know how advertisers may tap into that in in you know in the in the future well it's a, it's an absurdly exciting future isn't it i, I mean we're, we're talking at the moment about two waves of technology we're talking about investments into ai which we've just covered so i'm not going to go into that and then we're talking about investments into the metaverse now i think if if we take a step back we we wanted to be really clear throughout that the metaverse is not meta and nor vice versa you know the metaverse only comes into being and develops on the basis that lots of businesses lots of creators lots of individuals are coalescing around it and building it however i'm also really proud of our role in at least ushering in some of the progress of, of, of the metaverse. And, and clearly it's something we're taking hugely seriously, not just in terms of investment, but also in terms of obviously changing our name. Now, you know, there, there's, there's a 
there's a couple of ways to 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 look at uh, our our progress here. I think the first is uh, hardware. So uh, we're not defining the metaverse as as a pure you know VR headset play. You know, in time, it, it's it's looking at lots of different surfaces from from AR to 2D. However, you know, we've got a great, great product in, in Quest 2, which is, you know, which is uh, uh, an incredibly high setting uh, VR headset and an incredible experience. Uh, we're releasing uh, a higher end headset this year, Project Cambria, which is, which is going to be hugely exciting and, and um, probably takes that, that hardware the, the next, next level. Um, and of course, you know, we have a, a, a roadmap um, in, in terms of hardware releases uh, for, for years ahead. And so it's, the, the hardware side of it's hugely exciting in its, in its own right. However, it's probably the applications that I think are, are most exciting here. And, you know, historically, or rather as things stands, you know, the gaming vertical has been really key to the development of, um, to the development of, of VR, certainly. However, some of the uh, some of the other use cases we're seeing now around, you know, health and fitness, around education, around healthcare, you know, operations, you know, being conducted simultaneously through through VR, you know, these are incredibly um, significant opportunities, and I think the you know the economic impact has the potential to to be massive. We think that the the metaverse all in is is a three trillion dollar incremental financial opportunity you know in in a decade's time you know that that's gdp moving stuff and um and we want to help kind of realize that uh realize that ambition uh so so look couldn't couldn't be more excited uh, about about the about the roadmap for the metaverse in terms of working with advertisers again we're, we're at pains to be saying look this isn't you know we're not about to release Ads opportunity in 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 the metaverse. That's not you know that that's not how this is being developed. Um, this is about readiness. You know, as as the metaverse is being built, as more organisations um, you know really get involved, as other other companies build for it, build apps, build hardware, it's it's absolutely making sure that as an organisation you're you're best positioned, and that and that can look like a few things. The first is just making sure that you have your current e-commerce uh, business absolutely uh, perfectly organized so that you have proper digital catalogs so that you're able to effectively transact properly online cross markets cross cross platforms cross surfaces you know that that's absolutely kind of item one item two is then you know the, looking at opportunities particularly in in AR right now which are you know completely realizable we have something like 700 million people a month looking at augmented uh, reality filters and, and kind of opportunities in that space. So these, these are areas that, that advertisers can tap into now. And we see great examples of that, of, you know, of companies um, you know, being able to use AR effects for retail or furniture retail or, or use, cases, use cases like that. Um, but it's, it's, it's being prepared to learn. It's being prepared to get the basics right. And it's being prepared to kind of come on, on the right journey. And, and they're fascinating conversations to have with advertisers because every use case looks so different. Fantastic, Nick. I'm going to have to leave it there, Nick. But thank you so much for joining us. Maybe when we have this conversation in a year's time, we can do it through your latest version of Quest. I hope so. Thank you very much for having me. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us, Nick. 
The Campaign Podcast is produced by Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio. If you'd like to keep up to speed with meta, measurement and everything going on in Adland, please visit campaignlive.co.uk. Nick is actually a judge for the Media Week Awards, which take place on the 20th of October. Tickets are on sale now for the biggest night in commercial media. If you're not yet a subscriber, please visit campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership and join today. Also, do remember to subscribe to the Campaign Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what we do, leave a review. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, on behalf of the Campaign team, goodbye.